Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word to us this morning and for the time that we can set aside to spend hearing from you directly. Thank you for the time that you've uh, given me to prepare uh, to preach your word, and I pray that you will speak through me uh, make my words uh, clear. Uh, just uh, continue to, pre to prepare all of our hearts and minds uh, for what you will say to us this morning, uh, and I pray that you will shape us more and more into the image of your son, Jesus, and that you will, will receive all of the glory and honor for what is said today. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, for those who may not know, I'm Drew Regan. I'm uh, the youth and worship leader here at Riverside. And uh, Pastor Joe gave me an opportunity to preach, and he didn't give me any guidelines for where I should preach from. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I, I was thinking and praying about where I should focus our attention to in Scripture, and it hit me as I was teaching through the Gospel of John during youth group about a month ago. Uh, we've been going through what Jesus did while he was on this earth, and specifically focusing on the miracles that he performed. Miracles like changing water into wine, uh, healing deathly sick, blind, and paralyzed people, sometimes without even being anywhere near them. Uh, miracles like feeding 5,000 men and even walking on the water. So those are the things that Jesus has done this far uh, with the text that we're going to go through in the account of Jesus' life. But this morning, since uh, we are only a couple weeks away from celebrating Easter and Jesus' resurrection from the grave, I thought that it, it would be good uh, to look at the resurrection before the resurrection. Now, with that being said, uh, let's look at the text uh, that we have for today. Uh, but I want to give a little bit of uh, background when it comes to the first 16 verses. Uh, so just like all the other times that Jesus performed a miracle all throughout the book of John, showing his power over situations of sickness or provisional needs, these first 16 verses of John chapter 11 lays out the situation that Jesus is faced with. We find that Jesus and the disciples have just fled from Judea because they were in danger of being stoned to death because of the miracles and teachings that Jesus was doing uh, that proved Jesus to be who he said he was, to be the Son of God. They had found refuge in a town that was far enough away that they couldn't be hurt uh, by those people when they received a message, uh, and a pretty urgent one, from Mary and Martha that their brother Lazarus was ill and to the point that they were scared for his very life. They were asking Jesus to come and help heal, heal their brother Lazarus uh, and even reminded Jesus in the message, uh, Lazarus, he whom you love is sick. But Jesus told his disciples who were with him, who also would have heard that message, uh, that Lazarus' sickness would not lead to death, and that his sickness would ultimately lead to God getting the glory. So Jesus and his disciples stayed two more days where they were at. Uh, so after two days, uh, at that time, Jesus told his disciples that Lazarus had fallen asleep and that he was going to go and wake him up. Now, the disciples thought that Lazarus was, you know, just kind of taking a nap, right? He, he's asleep, you know, if you're sick, you rest, your body recovers, right? Uh, and again, they also had faith in Jesus' words that Lazarus' sickness would not lead to death because they had faith in Jesus and his words that he would be okay. 
But Jesus reiterates to them that Lazarus was in fact dead. Uh, John 11, uh, verses 14 to 15, uh, it says, Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So that you may believe. Okay? Jesus waited, uh, because if he hadn't, then he may have been compelled uh, because of his love for Lazarus, because of his compassion, seeing him in distress and pain, he may have healed him before he could have showed a greater power. Jesus is going to show that his power is not only over sickness, which he has already done multiple times, but he is the power and authority over death itself. And again, if Jesus was with Lazarus before he died, then Jesus may have healed him. And his disciples' understanding of Jesus' power, it would have been less, right, than what it will be when he's done. Again, uh, the reason why he didn't is so that they would believe. But even with Jesus' plan in mind, there is still a sad reality that they must face, the fact that Lazarus is dead. So they start their journey back, even though uh, they may be in danger of losing their lives, uh, again, the people that were chasing them to stone them, they didn't go anywhere. They're still there, right? Uh, but again, uh, they went to go and see Lazarus's grave and comfort Mary and Martha. And this is where uh, we pick up the narrative uh, this morning uh, that, that Joe read from. Uh, let's read again uh, John 11, verses 17 to 20. John 11, 17 to 20. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. So Jesus has arrived to Bethany, the town where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus lived, and by this point, Lazarus has already been in the tomb for four days. Okay, so again, uh, they got the message, uh, they waited two more days, and then they had to travel, it seems like, you know, a decent amount, and when they got there, he was already dead for four days. And people from all over were coming to console Mary and Martha, and they heard that Jesus was finally coming. Now, Mary, she needed a bit more time, but Martha immediately ran over to see Jesus. Verse 21 and 22 uh, it says, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. So Martha is telling Jesus that if he was there in time, then Lazarus would still be alive, right? Uh, Martha is having a very human response towards loss. She was blaming God. She blamed Jesus for failing her brother. Now, Martha understood who Jesus was all at the same time, still trusted that he could do something about it. Uh, she, she, immediately after she says, you know, if you were here, he wouldn't have died, she catches herself, realizes who she's talking to, and she's like, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you, right? Or maybe she's even hinting, like, you know, can you do something still, right? She wants Jesus to do something about the hurt that she's feeling immediately. And Jesus' response in verse 23 is encouraging to a grieving Martha. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. 
Verse 24, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So again, Jesus is saying, he will rise again, right? You know, have faith in what I have said and the words that I've spoken. Martha's like, yeah, I, I know, the resurrection on the last day, right? I remember your teachings. Uh, but then Jesus asks her a question, and one that he also asks us to. Verses 25 to 27. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. So again, Jesus lays out who he is and what belief in him means, right? It means eternal life. And he asks Martha if she believes this, right? Again, do you believe this? I can imagine hearing the tone of Martha's voice shift a bit as she's encouraged by who Jesus is and what that means for those who believe, including her brother Lazarus. Martha had a very quick recovery process from this loss as soon as she came in contact with Jesus, right? It's all because Jesus reminded her of the hope that is found in Jesus. Now, the, the first application that we can see uh, from this passage is when we suffer from loss, remember the hope of the gospel. When we suffer from loss, remember the hope of the gospel, okay? So when we suffer from loss in this life, whether it's loss of a job or money or relationships, or again, even the lives of the ones that we love, remember the hope that Jesus brings and what that means for you. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, uh, when he's talking about the things that can separate us from the love of Jesus and the promise of hope that we can have in him, even during times of loss uh, or persecution or even death, Romans 8, 38 to 39 says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So through faith in Jesus, we have that promise of no fear of death because we have that promise of eternal life with him. Through faith in Jesus, we have the promises of provisions for our needs even when it might seem like there just isn't enough. Through faith in Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit, and the body of Christ, right, the church, other believers, to give strength, comfort, and encouragement during the trying times. Again, nothing can separate us from the love of God because of what Jesus did. So when we suffer from loss, remember the hope of the gospel. That's the first point. So Martha has been encouraged and calls for her sister Mary to talk with Jesus to also be encouraged as well. Mary heard that Jesus wanted to talk to her, so she went to find Jesus, and the people who were there comforting and supporting Mary through this loss followed her too. Uh, let's read the interaction between Mary and Jesus, verses 32 to 35. 32. I was looking at 20s. All right. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, 
Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And in verse 35, we see Jesus wept. So they came to where uh, Jesus was, and Mary collapsed right in front of him with tears rolling down her face and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Again, just like her sister, she is blaming Jesus for what's happened, right? Martha and the people who were with her uh, were mourning the loss of her brother. Mary is hurting, and, in, and through that hurt and sadness, uh, she is blaming Jesus. But we see something again in Jesus' response towards her. Compassion and love. Not only for her, but the other people that were with her too. Jesus asked for her to take him to Lazarus' grave. And at that moment, we see such a real response from Jesus. Jesus wept. He was sad at the loss of his dear friend, mourning at the reality of what had taken place. Okay? Now, which brings us to the second application that we see. When we suffer from loss, remember Jesus' example. Remember Jesus' example. Again, Lazarus was dead, and Jesus felt the gravity and the weight of his friend's death. Even though Jesus knew full well what he was going to do in just a few moments, right? And that Jesus was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. And yet, Jesus still felt sadness and loss. It, it, it's the same for, for us with believers, right? But when people die who believe in Jesus, we know that we will see them again with Jesus in heaven. But at the same time, if we're being honest, it doesn't take all of the pain away. So again, we, we remember the hope of the gospel, and we can have joy in what Jesus has done for us, but we also have to remember that Jesus wept at the reality of the death of his dear friend Lazarus too. Paul in Romans 12 talks about uh, what a true follower of Jesus looks like. And in verse 15, he says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We are called to not only come alongside our brothers and sisters who are celebrating the good things, but also come alongside those who are going through the toughest things that this world can throw at us. Again, when we look to Jesus' example, it's okay to mourn, right? It's okay to be sad at what sin has meant for all of mankind. Death. And physical death has ramifications for every single one of us. Now, especially as we look forward to our time of celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, right? Uh, at defeating once and for all the chains of sin that shackle us and conquering death itself by rising from the grave and the hope and the joy that that gives us that we too will rise with him, 
Again, Easter's great, y'all. But before we get to that, we first must go through Good Friday, right? Where we reflect on what happened to Jesus to get us to that point. Jesus was mocked, he was beaten, he was tortured, he bled for us. On Good Friday, we not only mourn what Jesus went through, but again, the fact that he physically died, right? Just like Lazarus, he was gone. When we skip the mourning of the reality of what our sin did to Jesus, then we rob ourselves of an even greater joy when we realize that Jesus knew what he would go through and still did it because of his great love for us. That should bring us to a whole new sense of worship because the stakes were real. Jesus did truly die. And again, getting back to Lazarus, Lazarus did truly die, and Jesus wept at what had happened. Continuing in verses uh, 36 to 37, uh, so the Jews said, see how we loved him. But some of the said, some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Now, so some of the people uh, that were there to help uh, Mary and Martha mourn, uh, they saw Jesus crying. And some could feel the love that Jesus had for Lazarus, but yet others were curious why he didn't heal Lazarus before he died. Again, J Jesus had healed others, and they had all seen what he was capable of. They couldn't understand why Jesus wouldn't heal, why Jesus would heal others, but not Lazarus. Now, it, it, again, uh, if we're being honest with ourselves, this is also something that we can struggle with very easily, right? This mentality of God came through for them, God helped them, God took their sickness away, why hasn't he come through for me? Or why didn't he come through for them? Now, God's plans are more elaborate and better than we could ever understand. Okay? I'm not saying that it takes that pain away, and we're going to get to that. But again, God's plans are more elaborate than you could ever imagine. Uh, let's continue in the narrative. Uh, John 11, verses 38 to 44. This is the good part. Okay? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, 
and his face wrapped with a cloth, Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Again, it, it's, it's a miracle, right? Uh, the dead don't just raise, right? Lazarus has been raised from the dead. Jesus told them to move the stone out of the way, not caring about the smell of death or decay. Uh, and Jesus reminded Martha that if she believed, then she would see the glory of God. Again, Martha thinking, you know, way in the future, and Jesus is like, right here. Jesus thanked God the Father that he heard him, uh, and I like how he kind of gives his own little caveat, so I don't even have to really explain it much. Uh, not, that, not that God the Father doesn't always hear him, but he said it for the reason that others would believe that he was sent from God. Then Jesus commanded Lazarus to come out from the grave. Again, the, the, the guy who's been dead for four days in a tomb. Rigor mortis would have settled in by now, and it would have been hard for anyone to move Lazarus's body, uh, yet alone command the corpse to walk. And yet Jesus commands him to stand up and walk out of the tomb. And he, he, he does just that, right? Uh, in verse 44, it says, The man who had died came out. Again, uh, I was going through uh, a series talking about the miracles of Jesus. This right here is a miracle, right? Jesus has yet again done the impossible. Uh, not, uh, not just healing sickness, not just uh, providing for people, uh, not just uh, changing one thing into another, but literally breaking the laws of life and death, proving that he is God and that he has the power over it. He has done the impossible yet again. Jesus accomplished one of the longest endgame plans that he has done on this earth up to this point to prove his power and authority over death itself. His disciples and ours, uh, our understanding of what Jesus could do has grown above and beyond what they could even comprehend at that point. Jesus could have taken the easy way out, and healed Lazarus like he healed the official son who he, he wasn't even in the same location as him, right? Uh, and Lazarus could have been healed. But Jesus' plan was bigger and better than what anyone could have thought. Which leads us to the third application. When we suffer from loss, remember that God has a plan. Remember that God has a plan. Uh, in Isaiah uh, 55, God is speaking to the Israelites, uh, and he reminds us of this fact. Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. When we suffer from loss, remember that God has a plan. Now, I'm sure that many of us have gone through some sort of loss at some point in our lives, right? Whether it's a calling, a job, a friendship, or again, even a family member. Uh, now, I know that I have lost all of those things at one time or another. And it can be so easy to blame God when things don't go the way that we wanted them to, right? Again, uh, Mary and Martha both had faith in who Jesus was very, very strongly, uh, was able to see 
firsthand the things that he had done, but yet even them, when confronted with loss and grief, they blamed Jesus. But again, they also trusted him. Uh, J- Jeremiah 29:11, "For I know the plans I have for you," declares the Lord, "plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope." Again, G- uh, just like Mary and Martha, we need to trust that God's plan isn't to hurt us, isn't to harm us, but to ultimately show us who He is, what He has done for us, and what He's doing and going to do for us and through us. Now, I can speak from experience uh, when it comes to loss. Uh, I literally lost all four of those things, okay? A calling, a job, friendship, and a family member in one day with the death of my grandma. And I'm going to do my darndest to not cry. I'm not going to succeed. Anyway, so uh, with my grandma, uh, I would take care of uh, her dog, and her, I would feed them, uh, and again, that's, that's what I felt was my calling at that time. Uh, she would even pay me a little bit because of the amount that I would do for her. So again, my first job. Uh, she was my confidant and guidance counselor, very close friendship, and again, above all that, she was my grandma, right? She was family. So, I'm gonna get through it. After she died, I felt lost. I didn't feel like I had a sense of worth or purpose. Just like Mary and Martha, I blamed God for not saving her. Uh, And I couldn't understand why he would take her from me. Until God showed me that he had a bigger plan for my life. If she hadn't died... I'm pretty sure I would still be taking care of her. Not that there's anything wrong in that, but I would still be finding my worth in what I could do and my abilities in helping her, as opposed to what God was going to do through me, okay? I wouldn't have gone to Bible college. I wouldn't have the job that I have now. I wouldn't have met my now wife, Alex, there. And I wouldn't have been in a position to adopt my former niece, now daughter Olivia. Again, that, that, that's, that's the reality, right? Now, even with all of those things that God has blessed me with as a result of her death, it still doesn't take the pain of loss completely away. And I'm sure that you all can relate to that. But here's the thing that it does do. It shifts the focus on what God has done and the promise that's found in uh, verses 25 to 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's the question that goes out not just to Mary, Martha, uh, the disciples, that question goes out to every single one of us in this room. Now, I have hope that my grandma believed this, at least a little bit, but I'm not 100% sure. I'm just being honest. And that fact, the fact that I'm not 100% sure, that's actually what led me to why I'm doing what I'm doing now. This right here is why I'm a youth pastor now. 
This is why I love directing you all in songs of worship. I'm going to get more choked up over this. Gosh. Songs of worship to our God that are filled with truths and promises from the Bible to help you believe and trust in Jesus. Every Sunday here at Riverside, Pastor Joe and I want to present the gospel as clear as possible. Now, uh, not just from the sermon, but from the scripture that is read, from the prayers, from the songs that are sung. Uh, we start every single week with a declaration of who God is and his sovereignty and power over all things. We continue with what Jesus has done for us on the cross and praise him for what that means for us. And then we give an opportunity to, re to respond uh, through giving, songs of adoration uh, or, or, or promises on our part towards God and hearing the word of God preached. We pray every week that the glory of God will be on display and that you will be encouraged and strengthened by the gospel every single time that we gather for corporate worship so that you too can have hope that no matter how bleak a situation is or how big of a loss that you've been through, there is life and there is hope afterward, even after death. Again, that, that, that question that just keeps coming up. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Now, if you do, then live with that end game in mind, right? Use your time wisely to tell others about Jesus so they can have that same hope and life as you do. Use the examples that God has given you where you have seen his promises be faithful time and time again, no matter how hard they may be, that will speak volumes to people that are going through the same thing. Again, use your time wisely because you don't know how much time that they have left. Now, if you don't believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is the Son of God, that he came to earth to die for your sins, he shed his blood for you. If you don't believe that you have the hope and what that means for you to live a renewed life, to have that hope that nothing that this world can throw at us can ever get between us and God, then please talk with myself, Joe, any of the elders, or again, someone in this building. I'm pretty sure that we can direct you and, and, and be able to talk with you through the gospel. Make sure that you talk with one of them uh, before you leave here today. Because the reality is, you don't know how much time you have left. Let's pray. Thank you, God, that your plans are bigger than ours. And as weird as it is to say, thank you for allowing hard things to happen to us. Just please give us the ability to look to you during those times uh, where we may doubt uh, your plans or your timing or your goodness. Uh, let us be able to look to the gospel uh, and, and just uh, be able to be encouraged by 
the things that you have done for us and how that you are working everything out for your good, as it says in Romans 8, 28. I pray that you will open our eyes to those reasons and that we will be able to give you all of the honor and all of the glory that you deserve from the ultimate outcome. I pray uh, that we will rely on you and your strength uh, because you have a plan for every single one of us, and it's with your help that we can and will accomplish it. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.